for centuries. Darkness ruled over the world. The evil and the wicked reign supreme. But along came a podcast imbued with light, determined to serve, return, and fight for righteousness to establish Dharma in life. To four corners of the globe, the call was heard. The end was the beginning, and the beginning was the word. It was mightier than the sword. The Lord was first take this birth to realize heaven on earth. Oh, welcome to 2021. Binny. What's your last name, Binny? Kimmet. Kimmet. Is your real name Binny? Let's talk about your name. Let's have a begin with the name because I don't. I know your name isn't Binny. My name is Brittany. Brittany. So what's with the Binny? Well, it's a great question, Dan. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, a few years back, I was traveling India and mm-hmm. I found that um, a lot of local people were having trouble hearing me pronounce Brittany mm-hmm. and they were repeating back a P instead of a B. Um, and so a local family I was living with up in the Himalayas, they said, oh, we just call you Bini. <laughs> and what were they calling you? Brittany. 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 Yeah. Ah. So uh, they called me Bini uh-huh. and the beautiful people I had the luxury of living with then started calling me Bini and came home with me and I became Auntie Binny uh-huh. and Ah, so it's just easier. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but then it's also now uniquely yours. There's like a little gift from India. Yeah. Cool. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So I'm assuming that before you went to India you were spiritual. Or at some point. Well, that's a great question. Yeah. What is spiritual, Dan? Yes. When did you become spiritual? That's my question. Um, and we'll define spiritual by the... Um, was there a time in your life when you didn't consider yourself to be spiritual? There we go. Was there one of those times? <laughs> That's probably a better question. Yeah. Because um, we're always spiritual, right? Yeah. But do when did you start to consider yourself spiritual? Maybe start having practices and start intentionally being spiritual, if you know mm. what I mean. Yeah, I think the intention is key to this because mm. I could look at my life and say from a really young age I had a, a knowing mm-hmm. um, I remember when I was about three or four years old my father took me into um, on a tour through some gold mines or mining from back in the day the gold rush times down mm-hmm. in Victoria in Australia and the man was giving the tour the guide and I, was, I said to my dad, Dad, this man's talking shit. <laughs> <laughs> dad, this man doesn't know. This man's talking shit. And he had to take me out <laughs> <laughs> of the mine. I was disrupting the tour. So um, I kind of get the feeling that as a young child. You were I, a gold miner. In a past life. <laughs> Maybe, right? <laughs> it's like I knew that. Well, yeah. There was a um, 
there was always a curiosity as to why is it that we're learning what we're learning. It was always the the student in class asking questions. Why, why, why? I drove my dad nuts. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I never would have said that was spiritual. But when I look now, it was like this deep yearning for something greater than what life was providing. At three years old. Yeah. Yep. And growing up, right? There was mm-hmm. a child and a teenager. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I had... Uh, can you pause? Can I pause? You could pause, okay. but you can just talk and we'll just keep going. Um, I don't know how much you want me to go into, like, an experience that I had as a teenager. And... Do it. Okay, cool. Yeah. So... Resume now. <laughs> I'm not going to cut any of that out. It's, no. It's, not... it's great. <laughs> it's so natural. No need to pause. You can just talk. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, it's not an interview. Um. Yeah, so you... Is this teenage experience mm. the turning point? Yeah. I like it. I felt that was going to happen. Mm, something yeah. happened. Um, I When I was 13, I had a car accident and I acquired, I was in a coma for a few days, an induced coma, um, and then acquired a minor, minor brain injury at that period. Um, and I have a lot of, I had a lot of dreams, um, memories, post-traumatic amnesia, loss of memory, um, and a difficult time reintegrating back into the mundane life of school and friends and sport. And I remember for about a six to eight month period, I felt like I was in a dream Mm -hmm. and there was nothing wrong. It was actually like, whoa, the world was like relearning again. Mm processing perception cognition and after about eight months of living in this like whoa (laughs) something something changed Mm -hmm. and it's like I forgot the wondrous and the this curiosity and I became defiant and like I can't do this and I went down a a path that some teenage go down. Go this, is, down. this is very interesting because it's it's a teenage thing, mm. but it's also something that happens to people that have head trauma. It does. Yeah. Yeah. And so you went from being normal, curious, young Binny, and then you, this eight-month period was different to that that kind of mm. life. Yeah. But was the dreamy period more like wondrous and mm. good? So it opened something up? Or is it just an in-between weirdness? It was... Uh, it was it was easy. Mm. There was nothing wrong. Um, but I kept getting confronted with there's something wrong with you. Mm. By like someone else. People, people are, yeah. You know, society. Mm. Um, oh, your grades dropped in school. Oh, that's because of the car accident. Or mm. you're no longer playing in competitive netball team. That's because of your car accident. You're asking questions over and over. That's because of your car accident. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, oh, but I'm fine, but I'm fine, but I'm fine. Mm -hmm. And eventually I started to believe that I wasn't fine. Mm -hmm. Um, When really I really was, I was just being a human, right? Yeah. Uh, And so in that whole experience, I had like near-death experience, sort of detached from body, Mm -hmm. seen the whole car accident go down. Like as it happened? Yeah. Right. Memories of that. So... If I could say, when did I become spiritual? I think that was a big insight mm-hmm. that there's something not 
something about this life that doesn't sit well. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then I, I purposely shut that down mm-hmm. and I ignored it. So the defiance was in order to turn that off. I think so. Right. Mm. So I can't deal with that knowing. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm. And so then you would just turn into a rebel. Some would say. Yeah. How, how, how old are you now? I'm 27. 27. Yeah. Mm. So what, how, what happened after the rebellious years or during the rebellious years? How did that, what did that look like? Mm. I think rebellious years paints a good picture. Just general, normal teenage stuff. <laughs> yeah, probably I'd say more intense than some. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't strike me as a badass though. Yeah, no, it's surprising. <laughs> <laughs> You're so softly spoken. <laughs> so graceful. I think it might drive my family crazy because they're like, who are you? Right, right. <laughs> you used to be so angry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all that Vipassana. Yeah, yeah. All that meditation. Yeah. Um, it does something. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'm talking rebellious, like holes in the wall. Right. Um, running away from home. Mm-hmm. Ex- um, you know, exploring things at a young age that I should probably wish I didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Just being extreme. Yeah. Yeah. And so do you think that was a conscious decision to do that or a result of the car accident? Mm, good question. Mm. Well, it depends what you refer to as conscious, right? Because mm. if maybe we, we're always conscious. Mm. <laughs> yes, true, but... Was that like, uh, was it, do you feel like you, you had, you're in control of that or is it just that something that was coming out of you in that sense? Was Mm. it something that you were like participating in? Like, I'm going to go this way because I don't want that way. Mm. Or was it like just something that was happening and you were just going with it completely lost in it? Mm. It was more of a seeking Mm -hmm. and, uh, intentional act to escape. Mm Mm-hmm. It was like, how do I deal with this? And the only access and tools that I had were what I guess we know in society, you mm-hmm. know, alcohol, sex, mm-hmm. um, blame, bitching, mm-hmm. arguing, anger. Yeah. We don't really get taught. Rid of defiance and resistance. Right. So, yeah. We don't really get taught much else than that at a yeah. young age. Well, for me, I don't know if I did. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, does that answer your question? Yeah, it's good. That's a good answer. Yeah. Cool. It was intentional and you were seeking. Mm. Mm, as so often we are at that mm. age, you know, mm. trying to find our, our spot and where we fit in and, yeah, and wanting to break free of the, the mold that's been created by other people. Mm. Yeah. I had another question. Oh, that's what I was going to say. Um, I listen to a lot of comic podcasts and there's a lot of correlation with people that have you know, car accidents and then become comedians because they, something happens where they lose the, uh, they just don't care. Like mm. they just don't care about, you know, that switch that we must have that says, don't say that. It's very funny, but it's very inappropriate. It just goes, you know? And so like, do you, are you very funny? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, Dan, what do you think? <laughs> Uh, have, you ever, have you ever thought about being coming a stand-up comedian is what my question was. Mm, it's funny. I used to, in my home, I'd be like, oh, my God, I'm so funny. <laughs> <laughs> Crack jokes. And my family thought I was weird. Mm-hmm. They thought I was like, 
God, Brittany, Brittany thinks she's so funny. <laughs> I actually genuinely did make myself laugh. Yeah. <laughs> so, in answer to your question, I think I'm funny. Great. <laughs> you, could be, you could be an open micer at least. We could try. Yeah, five minutes on a, on a uh, Wednesday night at the local uh, RSL maybe. Yeah. If they gave me a pause switch where I could like go on and off yeah. live, <laughs> it would work. Was it? Yeah. yeah. Let me read what I've written down here. Yeah. So how did you get back on track? Let's say that you're on mm. track. Let's assume that you are, because we don't know, mm. right? Just, yeah. You're just in a different track. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's great, right? Because mm. I almost, um, when I look at my life from where I am now, mm-hmm. it's all perfect. It's always been on track. Always. Yeah. It's like. The most perfect things happen at the most perfect times to allow me to get gain the most perfect insights. And there is many more to gain. I got that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So when I was uh, 21, I was living in the city in Melbourne, in, in Australia. Mm-hmm. And I used to still playing out that, those rebellious natures in life, like exploring, very reactive. Um, You know, life was hard Mm -hmm. for little Mm -hmm. (laughs) 21-year-old Binny. And I remember I used to to exercise a lot and I'd also eat a lot of shit food too. Like Mm -hmm. I'd binge eat and then I'd exercise and it was all part of coping. Um, And there was this really great studio that I used to go to to get these really good hit classes and boxing and they offered yoga mm-hmm. and they also did meditation classes and it was my first taste of sort of coming home mm. and getting that in the yoga or meditation the yoga was for me a way of calming the down yeah <laughs> <laughs> And it was the meditation. Mm. It was the sitting um, and being guided through an experience that allowed me to see something beyond what my current perception was allowing me to see. Mm. And then I got that, oh, this world is really, there's a lot more than I can do or know or see or discover mm. than what I'm playing out. Mm-hmm. And so... It was about six months after that, that, or 12 months after that, that I went over to India for the first time. Mm. Yeah. So you were there. Did you keep meditating um, just through them or did you sc- yeah. go on your own excursion then, start exploring? Yeah, I did classes. Mm-hmm. I always was always doing guided. That's mm. all I knew. Yeah. Um, and then I downloaded the One Giant Mind app. Ah. And started uh, meditating. What what year was this? Two thousand and fifteen. Right. So, what what iteration is it? The right word. What iteration of app was it? Was it like the first one with the three steps, or was it like the twelve step one? Do you remember? No. Oh. I don't know. Because there there's been a few different, like, ones. Mm, mm. Good question. Mm, I think it was the old one back then, the OG one. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Anyway, 
One of the side effects I have is like memory loss. Right. <laughs> I can always go back to the car accident, right? It's blissful. Yeah. Um, <laughs> shit memory. See? Yeah, I don't Funny. remember that. <laughs> I don't remember that. Yeah. But I, but I did. I used the app. Um, I didn't really know what I was doing. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if I really got it. Yeah. But it was doing something. Mm-hmm. And I went over to India and I was over there working actually. You were by yourself? That's pretty brave. Yeah. Yeah. Curious mind. Yeah. <laughs> no fear either. What What specifically drew you to India though? Um, it was a colleague, a, a colleague's partner mm. I spoke to, had a friend that owned a not-for-profit there or that ran a not-for-profit in the education space. Mm-hmm. And I was, that was sort of the space I was moving into. I'd just finished my degree at university, so... Um, I studied occupational therapy and I was really curious that to go beyond working one-on-one with people, how can we actually shape environments that nurture whole of population growth? Mm-hmm. Um, so then I went over to India to pursue an internship in working with educational not-for-profits and enhancing their services to their local communities. Mm-hmm. Worked with... Um, a school for children living with disability, which was just phenomenal. The amount of love and passion and commitment that they put into that school Mm -hmm. um, with very little government support. Um, I also worked with a, a shelter for women that had fled domestic violence um, relationships. Mm -hmm. A lot of, over in India, a lot of women in the rural cities and rural towns, um, they'd flee to the to the big cities mm-hmm. and hope to find work and a home, only to find that that doesn't really exist. And a lot of them end up in train stations, mm-hmm. living in train stations and um, finding work using their bodies. Mm-hmm. So I worked in a shelter for these like, amazingly courageous women. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so doing this really great work and I was, went to a yoga studio there and I was really getting into this, like, just being with life. It was really noisy there. Mm-hmm. I don't know if... I know you've been. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Noisy, smelly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> vibrant, like, alive. And yeah. I had to find refuge in myself mm-hmm. to be to feel some sort of safety because it was so uncertain mm-hmm. in this huge city of, like, you know, billions of people. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So I upped my meditation game and my yoga and I went on to do my yoga teacher training while I was over there. Right. So you were meditating on the map, on the app still doing your practice yeah. that way. Yeah. 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 Were you twice a day at that point? Um, probably ad hoc. Yeah. yeah really didn't know what I was doing. Yeah. Didn't know the impact it was having. Didn't really have, uh, vision like I didn't see big picture what meditation was doing but I was like it's kind of the helping me chill out so Mm -hmm. yeah how I was like that as well at the beginning as well was there a turning point with it for you yeah when I got back I was over there for eight months Mm -hmm. when I got back um I lived in Melbourne this becomes like a autobiography of Binny right yeah (laughs) (laughs) you interested yeah um I remember returning to Melbourne and you might it's, have... It's the audio book. 
<laughs> I love it. You might have had a similar experience, or I'm not sure, but um, I got back to Melbourne and went into a deep, dark place. Like, you have this extraordinary experience in such a vibrant country, seeing so many different ways of living and different ways of being. Mm-hmm. Um, you really don't – you see simplicity. Like, you get this just perspective – and then coming back to the way you used to live your life, mm-hmm. big, crazy Melbourne city parties, like vibrancy, lots of money just thrown everywhere. And mm-hmm. So integrating. Integrating was hard. Integrating India. Mm. Yeah. And I used the app a lot more when I got back. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't until um, a close friend of mine that followed along with the Binny name. <laughs> mm-hmm. I connected with her. She was still in India and I shared with her my despair. It was quite, um, yeah, quite dark. Mm-hmm. And she said to me, Binny, you need to sit up a pasana. Mm. And so off I went. Where did you go? Uh, I sat in Pomona. Uh, Pomona. Delete that. <laughs> <laughs> I sat in Wurriyalik. Mm-hmm. It's um, the in the it's near Hillsville. That, I don't know that either. It's in Victoria. Yes, mm-hmm. good. It's about an hour out of Melbourne. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so for if you're not familiar with Vipassana, it's basically a ten day silent retreat. Mm-hmm. It teaches the technique of the Buddha. Um, Buddha is merely an enlightened person or someone whom has done the work to transcend the, the mind, mm-hmm. um, no longer bound by mind or body. Mm-hmm. And it's an incredible experience. Um, it's very confronting and very deep. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the integration of that was, is all the work. Yeah. You know, you go into a retreat, man, you dig up some stuff, you see things, you get inside, and then you come into the real world. Mm-hmm. And that's when you really work. So, but the whole thing was that you were already in a dark place. Mm. And then you went to do Vipassana for 10 days. Mm. Um, how did that help? Mm, <laughs> you know. It's good. <laughs> it was funny, right? Um, what I see now is that this whole journey has just been the discovery of of I, of ego, of identity. Mm-hmm. This being in which I inhabit, my human being. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and, I mean, I don't really know what I'm doing. I don't know what I was doing. I don't know what I got because it's almost like, you look back and you go, have I just been going around in circles? <laughs> it's like, I'm wrong. No, they're wrong. No, the world's wrong. No, I'm wrong. No, they're wrong. No, the world's wrong. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I came out of Vipassana having this deep insight into self mm-hmm. and I and this attachment that we have to I. And then I... Did you experience eyelessness in that Vipassana? Is that way, the way of saying it? Yeah. It's called anatta. Anatta. Not self. Not self. Mm. And 
I don't know if I knew that that's what I experienced, but there was something there. Mm-hmm. And it's funny, right? Because I got this experience of not self or this like something that's there as a human but is beyond the body and the mind. Mm-hmm. And then I came out and in my attempt to integrate that, it was like everyone else is wrong Mm -hmm. (laughs) because they don't do this. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I actually, it's like in going down that path, you forget what you really discovered for yourself. Mm -hmm. So it's like a remember forget game. Right, right. Mm. So you, because you identify as the one that does the thing, that you've reclaimed the self and you're sort of attacking people from that position. I did, I think, mm. unconscious or consciously, but unknowingly. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I did. Mm. I didn't integrate so well. And so... It's very hard to integrate not self. It's so hard to integrate not self. <laughs> and it's a constant inquiry I'm in, Dan. Mm-hmm. And I, like, is that something you inquire into? Um, I... Hmm... It's an interesting thing to talk about because I haven't really done it before. So it's, well, I don't know what I'm going to say about that, but, mm. but I don't know if, if it's, I don't I want to say, I don't know if it's possible to be continuously not self. Mm. I think, I think, you know, not self is an experience and it's not meant to stay in isolation, mm. you know? So like we have it and then we come out of that experience and then all the other layers come back and we're like, okay, how can I integrate this experience of not feeling like anything <laughs> with all the other layers, mm. you know? And, and I, th- I think lots of people suffer coming out of Vipassana and desiring only to have that experience and being confronted with all of their stuff and the world and all the problems of the world and all of the, you know, not mm. just for passion, not but just for passion, other, other spiritual practices, even, um, psychedelics and stuff like that. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Cause it's so liberating. And then here you are confronted with not liberation, you know, mm. so it's like one thing to seek it, not having tasted it, but then once you have the taste of it, then now try and go back, you know? Mm. Yeah. It's really great. And yeah. it can be the, it can really unbalance the mind. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. You get a different perspective and the, and the taste of that state, which from my experience came with a lot of love mm. and a lot of feeling of like bliss and love. And then I went back into my normal, you know, day-to-day life and I didn't do Vipassana, but you know what I'm saying? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, or, back to drinking heavily and smoking mm. and eating toxic foods and all that kind of stuff and wondering where the bliss went, you know, mm-hmm. why isn't it here? And then that ruined my meditation practice because every time I go to meditate, I wanted that one experience to keep happening, you know, mm. and it wouldn't happen anymore. And I was like, well, now how do I get back to it? So there's always that, that clinging or that reaching for the other mm. experience where it's just like, it's like, you know, the whole lesson is be with what is. Right. <laughs> so know. good. Yeah. And and it's all here anyway. Mm. So stop looking elsewhere because otherwise you're missing what's present. What's here. Yeah. Oh.
after the Vipassana, mm. did you feel that because you'd experienced not self that your personality was either you needed to delete it in a way, mm. you needed to get rid of yourself, you didn't experience that? Like, no, it wasn't so rapid. Mm. Um, it was, it's slowly, slowly, mm-hmm. like the more you subject yourself to any meditation practice, you start to discover more of the wisdom mm-hmm. that you've already always had, um, always had access to, but it's been like covered up because mm-hmm. you, you know, each time you sit and meditate, well, no matter what you do, it's like cleaning the dust mm-hmm. from underneath the sofa. Yeah. You sweep it every day and dust still gathers mm-hmm. <laughs> no matter how much you sweep it. Yeah. Um, so I don't think it was as rapid as that. It Actually, it's quite, it's liberating. Mm-hmm. Um, it's more liberating than anything Yeah. to get that insight mm-hmm. because all of a sudden then you have an access to being responsible mm-hmm. for who you are in the world. And what I've discovered is that the way we relate to our meditation practice, whether it be Vipassana, whether it be Vedic, Vedic meditation, the being technique. Mm-hmm. Um, guided. Guided. Med- the way we relate to meditation is the way we relate to life. Mm. So if you're attached to some experiences, you're more likely experiencing some form of attachment in your daily life. Mm-hmm. If you're, you know, resenting experiencing certain things or you're resenting sitting down and practicing every day, you're most likely resenting things in your life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> If you're um, agitated in in your experience with your eyes closed, you could potentially be experiencing a bit of agitation in your life. Mm-hmm. If you don't have time for it. If you don't have time for it, you don't have time for anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. like if time's your story for meditation, time's your story for life. Mm-hmm. It's This is what um, I discover through my practice and through the students that I work with. It's... Mm-hmm. Like, cool, how can we use meditation as a tool to see ourselves mm. and to see what, how we actually show up in life? <laughs> I like that too because it's not just what's happening with the eyes closed, but it's how you relate to the whole experience. Mm, 100%. Yeah. It's a lesson. And then also while you're practicing a technique and the specific mechanics of the technique that you use with your eyes closed, they also apply with your eyes open as well. Mm. When you, you know, the more you practice, you see that the same mechanics apply letting go and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. With the eyes open. It all trans transfers across. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And meditation becomes life and life becomes a meditation. Yeah. Yeah. And then you and then you forget. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Until you remember. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's something I'm really good at reminding my students and the people in my life. Mm-hmm. I'm not so good at reminding myself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's great because I spent today actually with my beautiful housemate who's, um, if she's listening, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, currently nurturing a, a baby in her womb. Mm-hmm. And um, she said it's been the biggest gift in living together is her realizing that every time she's in a reactive state, that it's just her being, it's the being of human being. Mm-hmm. 
in not to make it wrong. Yeah. And so she reminded me of that today. She said, I'm so grateful that you taught me that because it allows me so much freedom to go, oh, I'm being such a human being right mm-hmm. now. Yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, it was a good reminder for me to hear that because I go, oh, I forgot to remind myself that yesterday mm-hmm. when I got worked up about that thing. Yeah. Um, that we're just totally meant to be dealing with all this stuff. Mm-hmm. So we can't just be not self all the time. That's right. That's what you're trying to say. Yeah. It's like, let's use the wisdom of not self to, yeah. I mean, as, as Johnny so gracefully puts, um, how can we be of service? Mm-hmm. So if when they're not self, then how can we create ourselves to be? Mm-hmm. Which is what I try and cultivate with that wisdom. Again, I forget. Yeah. Don't we all? <laughs> <laughs> Not you, Dan Tucker. Of course. Uh, so then what happens after the Vipassana? Into, you integrated that like in two or three days and then life was all rosy daisies after that? Mm, oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, yeah. um, I went back to India. Mm-hmm. I got oh. that I had more to... I'd more to discover. Did you get that insight in the Vipassana or did you get it? No, I um, spent some time at an ashram Mm -hmm. in in Victoria. And then I did some really great personal development work with. Yeah. Sorry. Did you cry during Vipassana? Yeah. I remember on day three. It's a great question. On day three, I went up to the teacher and I said, I was in, I was in hysterics. I went up to her outside of the question time because I could not bear it. I was only three days in, right? Mm-hmm. It's just, and I went up to her and I'm in tears and I said, I don't know what I've done in my past lives to have so much suffering. <laughs> the suffering's never gone end. <laughs> and she said, um, she, I think she just said, very good. <laughs> of course. Yeah, they say that maybe the real reason that we're going retreat is to discover that the first noble truth, which is the noble truth of the, of what the Buddha taught. Mm. Um, the first noble truth is that suffering exists. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's <laughs> the whole purpose of retreat. That was your first lesson to really get that, mm-hmm. mm. which when you get it, it can be very liberating. Mm-hmm. Mm. And you cried after that, during that. Yeah, definitely <laughs> during that. The other thing um, that I've learned is the actual experience of tears mm. and being able to feel it, feel tears before they overwhelm me. Again, remember, forget, right? Mm-hmm. There are times where I forget and I'm a blubbering mess, but. The most beautiful experiences I've had, I think, to date are when I can be so, have moments where you're so connected and to yourself and just what's going on around you that you feel an emotion arise inside of you and it comes over you like a wave Mm -hmm. and the tear comes out of your eye and it's gone. Mm -hmm. And it's like, God, it's so amazing to be a human. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, we're phenomenal. <laughs> Again, remember, forget. Yeah. 
Mm. And there's, there's different types of tears too, you know, like mm. you can have a happy tear mm. where you can be reflecting upon some good time mm. or even someone that you love that isn't here anymore, mm. but it's still a good feeling and you can cry happy tears all day. But then if you get some kind of situation where maybe you felt like you were a victim to the situation, it can be not the best tears, you mm. know? Good one. Yeah. So there's all different kinds of tears. That's my wisdom for today, folks. You can write that down, share it on your Insta stories, maybe make a little meme out of it. There are different flavors of tears. Spiritual mm. tradie, post it. Um, I like that one, yeah. Daniel Tucker. <laughs> um, what else? Uh, you So you fled the country. Uh, you packed up your stuff and went back to the motherland, mm. India. Mm. It's a good name. Mahar Bharata. And then? Mahabharata. Mm-hmm. Yes. This time I went back with no intention of doing anything but exploring myself. Intention for no intention. Like, yeah. Yes. Oh, did you go to Rishikesh? I didn't, actually. Oh, I spent you... um, I spent time, a lot of time in retreat. Mm. Um, I went to the land of Dharma, to Burma. Oh, because you are or were or... I don't know how to say it. Do you consider yourself Buddhist? No. Okay. It's interesting. Buddhist Buddhism is a religion. Mm-hmm. The teaching of the Buddha is not a religion. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Religion came well after the Buddha. Right. Mm. Gotcha. So then... The Buddha may be rel- relative to like a Rishi. Yes. The question I should be asking is what lineage were you following in that sense? Um, well, a lineage would suggest it was a religion. Mm. What, like, okay. So the, so (laughs) (laughs) I, I sat retreat with SN Goenka. Mm -hmm. That's what I want to say. Yeah. Yeah. So he runs courses all over the world. There's 150 centers Mm -hmm. and, um, all the teaching is the same in all the centres. But but you would agree that, that he'd have a lineage, right, that guy? Or did he just pop up and make his own thing? He is a student of Sayaji Ubakin, uh-huh. who was a very noble and wise uh, man from Burma, uh-huh. uh, which is also known as... Myanmar. Myanmar, yes. Um, and I could give you all the passing down of the different teachers, the different teachers, but um, <laughs> I don't know if that's of interest. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, but it's I, I, probably I closer to the lineage of Theravada mm-hmm. Buddhism. Mm-hmm. Um, in that. Because Buddhism can be quite esoteric, mm-hmm. especially like Tibetan Buddhism, and um, I'm no guru, right? So, for those that are listening, um, <laughs> forgive me <laughs> if I'm pulling out the wrong words. Yeah, I think Theravada Buddhism is more more congruent with the teaching of Goenka. Mm-hmm. Cool. And so you went to retreat there. Were you doing multiple vipassanas mm-hmm. back to back? Or one long one? Or what were we doing? Yeah, I served a lot. Oh, not a lot. I served and I sat. 
Mm-hmm. I also spent a month in an Ayurveda host- like hospital, got did a big panchakarma. Mm-hmm. Um, I travelled on camels in the desert of Jaipur. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I just had a really great explorative trip. I sat in Bodhgaya, which is where the Buddha became enlightened. Mm-hmm. Sat retreat. Powerful. Uh, powerful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I rode motorbikes through. <laughs> <laughs> through Ladakh, which is the desert Himalayas in northern India. Mm-hmm. Spent some time in Kashmir, which is the unspoken of state of India. Mm-hmm. Why is it unspoken of? Uh, it's political ah. um, of who owns Kashmir. Who's the, who's the contest? Mm. India and Pakistan. Pakistan, right. Mm-hmm. Mm. It's a, quite an um, interesting feud to educate yourself in if you're not aware of the destruction that goes on in Kashmir mm. um, at the detriment of local children, people, families. families. Mm. It's, uh, yeah, quite, it's quite sad. Mm. And that we don't get a lot of it over mainstream media. We don't really know what goes on in, for pe- in the world where people are literally just asking to be left alone, to mm-hmm. live their life in harmony. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I just had a great trip and um, I decided I'd come home back to Australia mm. and my intention was to integrate. So I went back into the workforce, spent lived, lived with my family. Um, full integration. Full integration. <laughs> and yeah, it's been pretty integration focused ever since. Mm-hmm. Came came back in contact with the teaching of One Giant Mind. Mm-hmm. Um, did my teacher training with Johnny Pollard. Yeah. Yeah. Um, of which you two are a guru in. Ah, yes. Yes, ah, yes. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I've had the fortune now to really meet and build community. Mm-hmm. Cool. And then you did You did have a passion of not long ago, right? Another one. I did. I went back just three weeks ago. Mm. Um, very fortunate for the experience and the opportunity to sit and practice the Dharma. Um, and it's, yeah, I think I'm still processing it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a very unique practice and having been in the world of the being technique and Vedic meditation now, has me confront a lot of the attachments I have to this worldly life mm-hmm. because what I discovered through the being technique um, is how great it is to be a human being in this world mm-hmm. and to be with others. Yeah. And you mean the Vipassana techniques more renouncing it? Well, it had me see my attachment to that mm-hmm. it, Vipassana allows you to see allowed me to see where my mind became unbalanced mm. and I got to see that I have potentially developed an attachment to wanting to be in life with people mm-hmm. which is not a good or bad thing but the, it's the attachment to it mm-hmm. um, in that if I lost certain people in my life would my mind become unbalanced Yes, mm-hmm. it would. Mm-hmm. So I got to see that. 
Mm. And now the inquiry is how to be in relationship with people, to be, to love and to create love together. And have the wisdom to know that this too will end mm-hmm. with no attachment. Mm. Interesting. Very. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Is that answer? Yeah, it's a great inquiry? answer. It gives me more. It gives me more questions, though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because, like, you know, what's the problem with attachment? It's a great question. <laughs> It's really in simplified terms, what I find is when I have attachment, my mind is unbalanced. Mm -hmm. And when the mind is unbalanced, you are more susceptible to being in a reactive state, Mm -hmm. um, to say things that potentially aren't coherent with your truest self. And yeah, to almost act blindly mm-hmm. i i have a like that attachment is the root of suffering mm. like good yeah but then i'm like yeah some attachment <laughs> some attachment is like you know if it's attachment to specific let's say specific food right you've got attachment to mm. chocolate it's going to cause you suffering if you don't have chocolate or if you have too much chocolate. Mm. Um, but then it's like, I don't know. I'm just thinking, is it bad to have attachment to people that you love? What happens when they die? I know, but is it okay to lose balance in the mind if someone you love dies? Is that a part of being human as well? Maybe that's a subjective question, Dan. I know. <laughs> yeah. I know when my my beautiful grandparents left their this worldly realm. Mm-hmm. Um I got to experience that emotion, those waves of emotion mm-hmm. and those like the coming and going of feeling of loss mm. and deep love. And I got to experience that in recognition that this is life. Mm-hmm. And then I could get on with my day. Mm. Similarly, I see others that lose people they love and they spend years mm-hmm. impacted by that. And I'm neither is right or wrong. Yes. Speaking of which, today is my nan's seventh anniversary mm. since she passed away. She mm. rests in peace. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, I felt so, I guess when they passed because it was expected, because there was warning and whatever, I felt so resolved with with that, mm. having had a chance to say goodbye and, you know, do all the lovely things. Um, but there are other people that I can think of where I wouldn't have that balance, you mm. know, and there'd be some suffering. Mm. And, yeah. I think, what what is it that I'd be suffering? If I go deep into it, it's just the fear of my own mortality. Mm. Right? Good. 
<laughs> Good. Attachment to yourself, right? Yeah, yeah. Attachment to the self. Attachment, yeah. But then there's also attachment to experiencing things with that person and, you know. Yeah. Ultimately, I, I feel like that attachment is very selfish. Like, it's all about the I. Yeah. It comes back to that I. <laughs> it's, our, it's who I identify as and yeah. what we know ourselves to be. And mm-hmm. when we attach to that. Clinging to what was. Yeah. Yeah. Because who is I now? Mm-hmm. It's different from what it was one millisecond ago. Mm-hmm. They say your cells combust three trillion times in the blink of an eye. Your souls? Your cells. Cells. Right. <laughs> so, what? so if you're literally just a little popping machine <laughs> and then we think your that we were is, the same yeah. as what we were five minutes ago. Yeah. But we're not. We're like completely regenerated every second. Yeah. Little popping machine. So where is I? <laughs> yeah. In that cell, pop, no longer there. Oh, then it's in this cell, pop, no longer there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Great questions, Cuzzy Dan. We're going deep. <laughs> yeah. And then if you like where the where the no self is, where the actual self is, right. is there's no time anyway. So all those things that you're grieving are there as well. Mm. Right. Tell me more about that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, in the present moment, Mm -hmm. we're accessing all the moments. There's only one moment. So there's only Mm. one present moment continuum. And so in being is access to the ones that we have lost in inverted commas Mm. you know yeah and it it is that loss the ability to lose the that gives meaning to it in the first place right makes it valuable Mm. wow (laughs) Uh, what were we talking about you that's right (laughs) (laughs) well attachment and I and the cause of suffering Mm. and like the power of meditation to just get that, mm-hmm. you know, maybe if that's all we get in this life, then we're living life correctly. Mm. Yeah. As it's meant to be lived. Yeah. Uh, Who knows? It's a very different, it's a very different thing. I would say that when my, you know, my family, we speak it, we speak about my nan on, the, on today mm. and, there's definitely a feeling of still grief and still sadness there that, that where I just feel love for yeah. her, you know, and I can't, I'm not sad because like she can't, can't live forever, mm. you know, and yeah. like, yeah. So it's just like, so it's, it's interesting to watch the different, you know, the different ways that people yeah. deal or don't deal with. We're all so human. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. There are cultures around the world that um, they do not allow mourning past a certain date Mm -hmm. of those that are deceased. Mm. It's believed that mourning loved ones that are no longer here is disrupting their rest. Mm -hmm. Keeping them up. Yeah. Right. It's it's preventing them from letting go. Mm Mm-hmm. And moving on to wherever they need to go. Mm. I mean, it's always just interesting to inquire into different 
cultures and religion and practices that have been around for a lot longer than we have. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, I wonder why they've been doing that for 3,000 years yeah. or 40,000 years or, yeah. you know, maybe mm. there's some wisdom in that. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Sometimes we have attachment to suffering itself. Oh, is that a big one? That's a good one. Yeah. And is that just the attachment then to the I? Mm. It's like how I identify, right? Yeah, if I identify as a sufferer. Mm. Yeah. This is how I get attention or how I get validation or how I get acknowledged. Mm. So I will keep being this way. Yes. Mm. Plenty of that going on in the world today. Mm. Mm. And it's just a great inquiry and I don't overlook. I think it's important not to overlook the suffering that people have. Mm -hmm. I mean, I have suffering too. Like ask my housemates, (laughs) (laughs) but, um, it's the ability to move through it. Do you, do you have a process of inquiring into the attachment specifically when you Mm. find yourself suffering? Yeah. I got a, I have a coach. Uh Um, I really, I believe wholeheartedly in the practice of inquiry and working with someone mm-hmm. um, that holds space for you to be in that inquiry mm-hmm. through language, which is something that we relate to as a human. Um, and it keeps you, it keeps the eye in check. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I also do use the wisdom of Vipassana in my daily life. Mm-hmm. Um of that of being the observer, acknowledging that this is present, cultivating equanimity or balance mm-hmm. with that. And when I can't, you know, you, you do use those standard mindful techniques like taking a break mm-hmm. or delaying a conversation or sitting down and meditating or Yeah. Yeah. Can you doing some kirtan. Doing some kirtan. <laughs> <laughs> do you Want to tell us the four noble truths? Is that allowed? It is. Um, All right. I have to Google it. Oh. <laughs> but you, know, you know the first one? I know the first one very well, mm-hmm. actually. <laughs> <laughs> um, it'd be something like suffering exists. Mm-hmm. Understanding. Can I ask a weird question? Yeah. How do you realize that? Well, you get it in the depth of your being. Mm -hmm. It's like... Pain? I mean, I guess it can be experienced at the level of sensation Mm -hmm. differently for all people. Yeah. Some people may find like... I remember one time I sat in a retreat and I had this overwhelming creative desire. It was like every time I closed my eyes, there was ideas. There was like oh my God, and then this, and oh my God, and I could do that, and oh my God. And this is the um, this is the real wisdom when you deepen your practice through the Vipassana meditation is that suffering is not just the discomfort mm. because then we swing to the other end of the spectrum, which is then we become craving. Mm-hmm. And you still live in a state of a mind that's unbalanced. And I remember sitting in a retreat and for eight days, (laughs) I didn't know when the mind was going to stop creating. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't, oh, it was like 
stop. (laughs) (laughs) And all I had to do, I remember it was the evening of the eighth day and I listened to the discourse and I don't even know what he said because I was in so much suffering Mm -hmm. of creative desire and craving and like, and it felt good, right? Mm -hmm. It was so much suffering because it felt so good and I couldn't stop it. Mm -hmm. On the evening of the eighth night, I had to allow it and stop trying to fight it. Mm -hmm. And in the allowing is where the mind became settled. Right. Mm. Mm. And then day nine was a very great day. So did you start creating things? Or just accepted that it was there and allowed it to be there? Yeah, you have to allow the mind to be just as it is Mm. and just as it's not. Mm. And not only the mind, but the body, the sensations, what you experience, ah, pleasant sensation, this too will change. Mm -hmm. So... Yeah, it's not always suff- it's not always what we think suffering is. Suffering is not always pain. Mm-hmm. Interesting. It's fascinating, right? Yeah. Because mm. a lot you see a lot of people that artists, very creative, mm-hmm. that they end up going to extremes mm-hmm. where they then can't get themselves out of creativity, and they do things like chop their ear off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so, but you had that realization. I take it like it's a, it's a mind blowing thing, right? Mm. To realize it at the depth of your being. Mm. Yeah. That's what I'm doing. Oh my (laughs) God. All I had to do was allow myself to be here Mm -hmm. being right now Mm -hmm. in this moment. But also the the suffering exists part. So. What's all part of it. So, okay. So that, that was caused from allowing that realization. It's like a uh, ungratifying experience. That's uh, it. Uh huh. Right. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> it's just funny because when you when we have these experiences, like they're life changing, mm. altering mm. perspective. But when you talk about it, it's hard to convey mm. the feeling or whatever. Mm. Right. Do you, does it land what I share, what I'm sharing? I mean, you, we're talking about real abstract stuff, right? I know. It's kind of like asking someone, what's it like to run a marathon? Yeah. Kind of. Why don't you go and do it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Mm. Uh, and what's the next noble truth? Um, it's the cause of suffering, oh. which potentially comes from attachment. Mm. I mean, there's no written, written, no written answer, and everything in the Pali Sutras or the um, teaching of the Buddha is all translated. Mm-hmm. So there's lots of different translations. Yeah. So it would be that suffering exists, the cause of suffering, the cessation of suffering, mm-hmm. and the way to come out of suffering mm. altogether, mm. and. I don't know that. <laughs> and above your pay grades? Yeah. <laughs> They're just like great, great stuff to read about and I'll figure that out one one lifetime maybe. Mm. Yeah. What do you think of the noble truths are, spiritual trading? <laughs> <laughs> well, there's suffering exists. Then there's, um, what's the other one? The cause of the suffering. The cause of suffering. The, the root of suffering is 
I say it, the root of suffering is attachment, but mm. maybe it's not. Um, what else would it be? I know the definition of suffering as given by Johnny G is that suffering is the idea that we are stuck and are powerless to change. Mm. Hmm. But yeah, there's lots in the, there's lots in the text around attachment and, mm. you know, creating the detachment or unattachedness, mm. not detachment because detachment is like spiritual bypassing. Mm. And what do you mean by that? What I mean by that is we have the attachment to something, an experience maybe, and then we have non-attachment, which is the ability to have the experience without it binding us and leave, leaving an impression that c- causes attachment, and then detachment, which is not fully interacting with the experience Mm. in order to avoid attachment. But by doing that, we're not completely engaged with the experience. Mm, It's like a, there's like a separation. Yeah. Powerful. Yeah. And it's like, that's the, that's the spiritual bypassing the smelly odor of, Mm. you know, people that wear the mala beads and, and, burn the incense but pretend to be all high vibe and speak softly and teach yoga and pretend that nothing's affecting them and everyone in the room can see that they're going through their suffering right Mm. but the attitude is that i'm fine and i'm not suffering because there's detachment going on Mm. maybe inside there's some kind of idea that there's everything's fine but there's a mismatch between you know Mm. what's actually happening not not being real with it. I love that. And what I'm present to is this notion that um I'm I mean I'm a I'm a firm believer that like I'm a firm believer in soul families mm-hmm. and that we come into this life, we choose the family which is going to teach us the most about what we need to know to progress and be promoted. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um it's it's common to, and I think I've went through this myself that, oh my God, my, I don't need my family. I, they're not, um, I just went through a phase where I didn't, I felt like I didn't need my family mm-hmm. and then I could be all like, yeah, my life is so great and I have no relationship with my family, but my <laughs> life's great. You know, they're doing what they're doing. I'm doing what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Actually ignoring the elephant in the room, which is that they're the family I was born into mm. or I chose because they are the ones that are going to teach me the greatest lessons. Mm-hmm. And unless I stick around and am willing to work with them and create relation with them to, to gain those insights, mm-hmm. I'm just going to keep coming back. <laughs> 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 and so, um, yeah, when I hear you say spiritual bypassing and describing detachment, mm-hmm. um, I can say that I, I get what you mean mm. and I I feel like I've been there. Yeah. And it's so much more liberating to intentionally create relationships with your family mm-hmm. from a place of empowerment and when you really stand for 
it's like that not self when you take yourself out of the way mm. and you stand for something greater than you, mm-hmm. which is for me, it's that all beings experience harmony, mm-hmm. peace, love. And when you stand for that, you really can build a relationship with anyone. Mm-hmm. Totally. Rem- remember, forget. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So mm. that's what I get when you talk about detachment and yeah. it's good to see that. Thank mm. you. And and I think that, you know, I can only, only speak from my personal experience with continued practice, these things naturally evolve and like non-attachment becomes easier and the impression left from the experience becomes less mm. the more being is established, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And so something that used to leave a big scar and it'd take you six months to heal from is potentially something that's a few hours worth of dusting yourself off and mm. you're back to it and back in the center and ready to roll, you know? Yeah. But there's still areas where you'll find that I thought I was good. And then it's like, oh, no, I'm detached here. You know, mm. there's a like a realization of I've bypassed this. This mm. is too painful to deal with at some point, and I thought it was good, so I, you know, mm. put this cover over it, and then, yeah, maybe. What am I avoiding? Yeah, kind of thing. Exactly. Yeah. What am I not confronting in that? Yeah. Yeah. What am I not taking responsibility for? Totally. Mm. All that gift. Good. Yeah. Speaking of families, we've got to go and do a meditation with our soul family, Molly. the one giant mind teacher people <laughs> yes <laughs> what a joy yes yeah another i think and the one thing i've discovered in moving into the one giant mind family and practicing the being technique and is that um is that you will when you commit yourself to something you will find support mm-hmm. support will come yeah and that's really how I feel. Yeah. Yeah. From mm. this, from this beautiful family. So. Yeah. Yeah. Wherever you're at in exactly. your journey, support yeah. will come. Hmm. Oh. Very interesting. Do you have a favorite spiritual wisdom or quote? Mm. We, we didn't even touch on the cessation of suffering. <laughs> when you figure it out, let me know. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's simple. You just detach. <laughs> <laughs> You spiritual bypassing. Yeah, that's right. Um, <laughs> um, Dan, my the greatest piece of wisdom, I think I shared it earlier in the chat, is that just to allow the being of human being. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not not necessarily, I didn't create that, mm-hmm. but I've definitely discovered that it has so much merit and the allowing of yourself mm-hmm. to be in whatever way you're being, in whatever's present, whatever emotion, whatever agitation whatever in the allowing is when magic happens Mm -hmm. for yourself and your relationships and yeah beautiful thank you thanks and where can we find you if we want to learn to meditate other things um i have a website yes it's www.onewholesome.space and i'm on instagram at the story of binny ah very good We'll Thank send you. you all there to find you. Thanks, Dan. And what's the fourth one? The 
coming out of suffering. Coming out <laughs> of suffering. Something like never, never experiencing suffering again, which mm. again, I don't know the answer to that one. <laughs> <laughs> I'll let you know That's when I find out. right? Maybe. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. May we all be free from suffering, Dan. Loka, samasta, sukinu, bhavantu. Mm. Thank you. Thank you.